This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris I can't believe I'm going to say this for the second day in a row. I started to record, and thank God, all of not even 20 seconds into it, I looked up at the waveform. I said, that's not what I should be seeing. Microphone was off. Why? Because I was on a Teams meeting last night. It was a great meeting, by the way. I'm more excited about that than anything. I'm not going to talk about it right now because... There's some things that have to kind of develop on their own that I need to kind of let go. I want to talk mainly here, not mainly, but I want to begin with this story of um, this uh, Nelvani guy in Russia dying. This is a far, far bigger story, I think, this idea of uh, jailing and killing off leadership. But who knows, really? What's even really going on? It's like Epstein. I mean, like, does anybody confirm the guy's dead? And we're never going to get that. But anyway, I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to get to that. But I want to just talk a little bit about the radio show. And you have to forgive me. I, I've been kind of trying to balance this a little bit with not making this about the radio show. Maybe I just should, now that I think about it. You know, sometimes I, like, put up resistance to things, and I think to myself, why am I resisting it? It's a great point, actually. I'm glad I just thought of that. See, this is one of the things I do on the podcast, I think, a lot. Maybe you should just talk. Nobody's complained about it. I guess speak now or forever hold your peace. How's that? Otherwise, I'm going to roll with it. I was planning on it anyway, but let me let me know what your feedback is. I got to tell you, I'm addicted to doing the radio. This is a real problem. I'm not kidding. I get it. And, I, and I'll have to tell you, I didn't speak much about this, but I think at this point, it's I can be completely honest you can't always be upfront and honest. It's not always going to be upfront and always be honest, I say, but you don't always have to be upfront about. It. Uh, now that a little time has passed, I think it would be safe to reveal my my lunacy there. But anyway, in the beginning, I really wasn't I was lukewarm on going down there and I've been down there before. I know what it's like to drive down there. Now, these days I'm pretty fortunate. I've got a chauffeur. If he hears me saying that, he's not. He's like, going to call me your chauffeur. <laughs> I was like, hey, it was just a general reference, chauffeur. <laughs> he's going to stop taking me down there. I better not. I get a ride down there. I mean, come on. That makes it a lot easier. But anyway, I really was. I was looking. When am I going to get down there? I got my own studio. I've got this whole thing finely tuned. I mean, we have our problems. The dogs bark once in a while. You know, these the little things that happen that we, I guess, theoretically at least, would never get in the studio but uh, down there. But it's not to say that nothing could happen down there ever. Either way, I just thought, what's the point of driving down there? I, you know, I don't need all that stuff. And what I found is that there's just really something different about doing it live, man. It's just different. It's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different energy. It listens different. I'm not saying it's better or, 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 or worse. It's just different. It's something else. It's like, I don't know, prime time, I guess you'd say. Anyway, uh, the impact that it's having 
uh, and the podcast, by the way, the content. I, I, I don't know how to capture this very quickly here because I really don't want to consume the whole podcast on this, even though I easily could. I, um, as I've gone through my personal journey leading up to, to all this, doing, well, first of all, getting involved in um, missions work with the church, really. And really, at that time was when it was for that purpose that I began stepping up my speaking game, if you will. Uh, I started a youth football league. It's a phenomenal story, still in play today. I needed sponsors, sound familiar? I needed an audience, players and families and volunteers. And we built the whole thing. Of course, it wasn't just me. We had a team working on it, which was very helpful. But it was at that time that I started improving, you know, working on my speaking. I always just had a, I guess, a passion, a desire for speaking, public speaking, and certainly talk radio, if you've heard my story at all. I got into stand-up comedy. Uh, and first of all, my, the missions work I was doing was phenomenal and very rewarding. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was ultimately my divorce that ended that. The church wouldn't allow me to go through the divorce and continue that leadership, which uh, so I guess I was fired, essentially. A familiar pattern, I guess. <laughs> um, I fallen, fired from a job I wasn't getting paid for, something that I started. Uh, it didn't really go like that. I'm kidding. Um, but they basically – I, I knew that it wasn't going to be an option to not step down, put it that way. And uh, and I, But I willingly did it, too. It was best all around. I'm just joking around about it. But anyway – I got into stand-up comedy then, around the time of my divorce, which is some really rich stuff out there for a guy. I don't want my current wife to hear me discussing this. I don't need to talk about you know being upfront and honest. Um, let's be honest; you don't have to always be upfront. But anyway, uh, the stand-up comedy—I I love the rush of that too. But the problem was, it's just it's stupid to me. I say it's like. TikTok. My wife's bugging me. I got a TikTok account now. And I, I don't want to get on this whole rabbit hole. We're going to post some videos on it. I guess that's all you do on there anyway. And uh, use it to promote Project Chaos. I, I have real reservations about the, the whole platform in general. But anyway, just look at it. It's just junk. I mean, what do you, on TikTok, what do you, it's like a fidget spinner, except it's playing games with your mind. Um, just passing on bite-sized chunks, if you know what I mean. Um, but anyway, I, the, the stand-up comedy to me was kind of the same. It was just dumb to me. I didn't enjoy It wasn't rich enough for me. And then I got into Toastmasters. And I just I just saw it coming. I needed to find I just felt this need, desire to fine-tune my speaking skills. And I did. Did a lot of speaking. And then it was sometime after that, around that time, that I started this podcast. I started the podcast. I felt that I had a knack for it. I felt that I had a voice for it. And by the way, you know, if you th- if you think it just comes naturally, you want me to replay the first podcast? I go back and listen to it, and I have a hard time, mainly because it was such a slow start, which I have a bad habit of doing sometimes, I've noticed. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for this format. Maybe some good, but... The first podcast, the open, but the rest of it, it wasn't too bad, but it was a little rough. It took me, it took me a while. It took me about fifty podcasts to get a little groove on. You know how many podcasts ever make fifty? Like practically none. 
I got to 100, and I thought I was a pro. I got to 200 and realized how much I didn't know at 100. (laughs) Got to 500 podcasts. I said, you know, I think I am getting pretty good at this. I got to 1,000. Prior to all that, I looked at what was going on in the industry. I said, how do you grow this? And my observation was that most broadcasters are authors that happen to have a podcast or radio show. What makes somebody interesting to listen to will have something interesting to talk about. And sometimes people write that down, so it seems to be a natural connection. Now, I don't think it goes so naturally when people write a book, and they're, or they're authors, I would call them. I don't consider myself, although I am an author, I'm not an author. You know what I mean? It's not my, my passion, my craft, if you will. My craft is the oration. But anyway, that was my observation. I started writing the books. I got Common Sense by Thomas Paine. The content was consistent with what the political message I wanted to be on the show. And I wanted to offer that content on the radio show, kind of deconstructed, if you will. I start reading it, and it's free, available online. And I'm having a heck of a time reading this old English version. I started translating it just to make notes for the show. And it was really frustrating, actually. Words we don't use anymore, ways of speaking that aren't consistent with current language, style, and structure, whatever. I had a hard time really understanding it. So I'm making these notes. And I said, somebody has to have done this. I go look for a translation. There was none. So I started doing it, continued on. A very time-consuming thing. I bet you the readers would like this. Long story short, I wrote my first book, Thomas uh, Common Sense in Modern English. And the work and research that I did going into that phenomenon. Then I recorded my own audio book. And then soon after that, the audience started asking well, people to email me, well, what does common sense mean anyway? I go start researching that. And there really wasn't an answer, so I wrote a book on it, Common Sense, How to Get It, Even If You Don't Know What It Is. And then I always wanted to do something in the motivational genre. Earl Nightingale was very much uh, inspirational to me in my listening and oration style and interest. And he was the father of personal development. I enjoy inspiring and motivating other people. It's the richest reward for me, really. not talking about this news and politics crap. And it's not that I don't think that these matters of government and politics aren't important. They certainly are. I've invested a lot in it. I just think that overall life has something a little bit more meaningful. I don't know. Maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. But that's just my feelings. Anyway, after I got done uh, Be the Lion, and we're kind of in the heyday of the show. This is right around, um, I guess, around 2020. We got three, four years in or something like the two, three years into the podcast. And just things are really, a lot of momentum on Twitter. The YouTube channel was growing. Podcast numbers were through the roof. And then there was just a period of a lot of things going on that aren't material to the story. Fast forward to May of last year. And I was not planning on writing any more books. And I had basically just in my mind settled on the idea that I was going to do this podcast um, just as it is, with no goals to do anything. I had a bunch of stuff that I've written and audio books and videos and all this different stuff that I was going to pursue, and I stopped. I wasn't going to do it. I said, you know, when I turn 62, another nine years, then I'll start to look at the idea of the broadcasting as a business. Fast forward, so I really don't just doing nothing, just doing this podcast every day and enjoying it, by the way, and loving it. And fast forward to May last year, I go down to Marine Corps Reunion down in South Carolina, 
and the story of Kafji comes up. And in the course of the conversation at our banquet dinner down there for a reunion, and I got up and I made some comments at the dinner at the dinner that night. And a good friend of mine was down there with me. We're, we're, we drove down together. We're driving back. And he says, you got to write that down. And I said, no, I'm not writing any more books. And I started thinking about it. And, uh, and I said, let me just outline. I've written, like, at least 20 books. I've only This will be the fourth one I've published. And, and some of the other things, I have ideas on how to publish that work, by the way. And, and some of it's just really good stuff, I think. I don't know if it's New York Times bestseller kind of stuff. But it's, it's good material. Quality material, I would say. And uh, anyway, I developed a process to really write books quickly. I didn't want to do it. I sat down and just started outlining the story real quickly. And it started kind of taking me in a little bit. I started outlining the story, started coming back to me that, quite frankly, I'd forgotten. And uh, anyway, I get the outline done. I said, let me just test my writing a book fast method. And I did it. And in two weeks, we had the first manuscript. Went back and made the book, I don't know, 20% longer after the little focus group had reviewed it. My son said, make it longer. I'm glad I did, by the way, especially with the finished work. But anyway, uh, that visit and that book, it, it triggered something in me that I'm having a hard time even verbalizing. And what that was was the ability to combine common sense, current events, and inspiration. I think that's what it was. And what a magical freaking equation when you think about it, right? The radio show that we did yesterday, talking about Iwo Jima, which is, you know, another example of, of us prodding the gates of hell itself and dumping otherwise good men there to suffer, really. It's just, a, you know, it's a real black eye on humanity. But then out of that struggle comes something else. And I think that being able to share that, it inspires a lot of people. Anyway, I don't want to keep going on and on about that. You can go listen yourself and get it, I think. But anyway, I feel like I was able to come out. And by the way, the audience feedback has been the same. Audience feedback every day. And I start, it started like So we were live yesterday at 4 o'clock p.m. here in Philadelphia. And... Uh, I don't know, about two hours before the show, my phone starts blowing up, man. I start getting excited. I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the show. So you think, oh, man, I'm getting I'm getting some anxiety. Oh, no, it's excitement. you got to captivate that. And that's something else I learned with doing the live radio. First, like, oh, oh. So, no, 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 man, that's the excitement. Roll with that energy. Roll with it. So anyway, it's turning out to be an incredible opportunity. We'll see how well it captures. All the branding is done. The the graphic design is all done. You have no idea the work I've been doing. The the business cards, the bookmarks, the book signing posters. What else? Oh, the magnetic bumper stickers. These giant six inch by twenty four inch projectchaos.org magnetic um, car magnets. I thought, you know, when we're driving down the station, we're driving through Philadelphia, right to the station. Why would we not put this on the vehicle? We'll be parked out there and everything, right? Heck yeah. Great exposure for us. And I thought, why not just me? I started thinking about other people who drives a lot. I found exactly four others. It's like My life is really lame sometimes when I think about it. So I ordered six of these things. Not exactly the broad national 
you know, infest, in, 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 interstate exposure I was looking for. Um, and these things are pretty expensive. I don't have the ability to throw it out as a free offer. I'm going to actually probably put them up on the website for people to buy if they really want to support the show. You know, maybe like a, a couple of truckers or if, if I could get a trucking company. Anybody listening associated with a trucking company that would that would buy the magnets and put them on their trucks? This feels like a big ask. Think about what you'd be supporting, though. Jeez, that would be incredible. Anyway, we'll start small for now. We got a couple of us running around with these things, but I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm excited the impact that it's having is just so motivating. The response, and it's a weird thing. Like you know, obviously I get pumped up about it, but it's different, man. It's not an ego thing. It's different. It's like I feel like I was made for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? In this weird kind of way, maybe you know. Up and this was the right time. I think for, I feel like it is. So we'll see. So with all that, I'll stop talking about this, but I wanted to ask one small favor. You know, I've been doing this podcast for six years, as I said. I've written books, shared a lot of that on the podcast, and um, never run any ads or anything. We did a little bit of ad share, I guess, in the early days. The podcast network did that. We're probably going to go back to that. It would be like a front-end role and a back-end role, like a a lot of the – your podcast hosts are hosting platforms already doing anyways. In this case, I get some of the money from that. And uh, we might go back. We're probably going to go back to that. But um, anyway, um, my point is I don't ask for much. haven't asked for much. I haven't asked for any money, contributions, self-published all my books, all the hosting and everything. I take care of that. And just by way of full disclosure, to date, the um, sale of the books has basically covered the cost of the book publishing and the cost of hosting the podcast, I guess. But all my time I've donated. I don't really ask for anything. And I'm not going to ask for any money right now either, by the way. If you could do me one small favor, though. I keep pushing the email list, and I realize that there's really something else that we can do. Maybe you don't want to be on the email list. and Maybe I'm wrong about building the email list. I'm going to keep working on it because I think for people that do want to email, and, and why am I saying this, by the way, the disproportionate number of email signups from the number of download listens is, I'm like, something's not right here. Am I not, am I not speaking correctly? Um, I think that I said to my wife, I said, I just think that people don't really want emails is the point that I'm getting, especially this audience. And you know what? I completely get it. I'm the same way. I, I don't sign up for a lot of stuff. Even people don't even check their email. So with that, there's still something you could do for me. And you don't have to sign up for anything like that, but go to the website, please, projectchaos.org, and uh, you can listen right on the homepage there and listen to a couple of uh, those episodes on there, please. Those podcast downloads for the next couple of weeks are huge to ranking this thing. I don't think we're going to be able to. <laughs> I went and looked in the in the Apple directory. Everything's out on all the podcasts. Listen, this is the kind of thing that's happened to me all through this. I don't quite understand, but maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not being patient. I found this Apple iTunes, Apple Podcast Index, and we're not in there. We're on iTunes if you search for it, the Christopher Scott Show. But if you search for in in any podcast player right now that you're listening from, if you search for Project Chaos, you may have to search Project Chaos with Chris, something like that, or Christopher Kunkel. Um, type Christopher, Project Chaos with Christopher. It should come up in any podcast browser. And I think right now, last I checked, if you type Project Chaos, we're coming up top of that. But if not, 
type Project Chaos with Chris, and it should come right up for you. If that's still not happening, please go to projectchaos.org and listen to that show. Listen to those episodes. That's my favor that I'm asking. Please go sample it. And you know your reviews, your feedback are absolutely welcome, of course, but I don't want to make it too difficult for you. Click on that, projectchaos.org, play some of those episodes. If you'd rather do it from your podcast player, go ahead. But uh, I need that that support right now to build up that audience to get this out. It's very important. And I uh, appreciate your help with it. Let's talk about this uh, Navalny guy. Is that how you say his name? Probably not saying it right. But let me, one more thing. I know it's been, I've been yammering on about this. Part of the reason why I keep pushing this, I'm not paying any of this big tech for advertising for this podcast. And that's what they want you to do. They're all like intertwined. Oh, you want to rank on the podcast or the searches? Well, you're going to have to be tied in with the social networks too and vice versa. And that's how they have it all set up now. Guess what? Keep it. I think it's all a scam anyway. I'm not doing it. At least not not as long as I can hold out. We'll see how this test goes. I got all this print material. I said we were working on the graphics. Next month I'm going to be on the road a lot. All right. Navalny. Uh, he's dead. Died in prison. Seem to think that he was poisoned. Yeah, of course, Putin had no idea. This is not something the government. He had many enemies everywhere he go. Yeah, he just happened to be out in the middle of a, 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 a the tundra out there. Can you imagine? They take these guys out there. This guy's dead now. Poisoned again. Wasn't he poisoned before? How many times can this guy get poisoned and survive? Now, I have to tell you, I think there was something about this guy in Navalny. I don't know that I trust him fully either. But either way, he wasn't sentenced to death. And I don't know. Was this guy gaining traction in the anti-war crowd? Then there was a story I saw. This is really mind-blowing. Think, Listen to this a second. They said that, this is the story said, that Navalny had written in a letter to a friend just a few weeks prior that if Trump becomes president, it's going to be really bad for Ukraine. Um, no evidence of the letter, who it was written to, the context, nothing. Fake news, man. It's fake news. I don't know what to say, but anyway... The world, you know, here's this guy being killed in Russia as a big country and a powerful country. This is how different world governments are going to start dealing with political adversaries. Friends, we've entered a new era. We haven't seen this in at least a while, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Probably am, actually, now that I think about it. Some of these countries... Talk about anger and hostility, right? How long before it comes here? Or is it already here? Look at the Clinton body count. Oh, shush, nobody want to talk about it. Don't even bring it up. <laughs> it's funny to me what people are afraid of. I think it's deeply concerning. I honestly believe that this action is like a, a step into a new era, not a good one. Not a good one anyway, shape or form. And I've said before, man, 
see a lot of people doing the rah rah Russia thing, and even um, what's his name, um, uh, Tucker Carlson. It wasn't me, really. I saw the shopping segment, and I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, oh, this is like pro-Russia story here or what? That's fine if it is, and put it out that way. But I don't think he was. He seemed very happy with the shopping in Russia. Yeah, you think a big country like that, they're going to have problems, okay? I mean, everybody does, I guess. I don't trust Putin at all. I don't trust him one bit. I don't, I don't trust the Russian government one bit. I mean, I really want to get down to it. What government do we trust? What government around the world is trustworthy? Are the Swiss still trustworthy? I'm not so sure they are either. Probably. Probably the Swiss government. Who would be the most trustworthy government? There's a there's a study for you. Not Russia. The United States? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say not. Um. All right, I got a couple other things to talk about here. We got five minutes left officially in the podcast. Should I just blow through these headlines and see how fast I can do it? No, I'm kidding around. Uh, CDC confirmed a mysterious outbreak on a cruise ship. Um, I, who knows the validity of this story? A lot of fear mongering, right? But anyway, the reason I mention it, we um, we moved four years ago. Now we've been here four years. Amazing. For three years of that, we didn't have any gym membership. It was the only time in my adult life we didn't. About a year ago, we joined this club down the street. I don't call it a gym. It's, this place is crazy. And we just ended it. We weren't using it. <laughs> uh, we used it a bit in the beginning. And um, one night I went in there. I don't know if I told this story. Um, there was, I go into the locker room, which is a very big locker room, pretty pretty plush in there, almost like a country club locker room, and uh, glass doors everywhere pretty much. And you can see in the, like the hot tub and the sauna and stuff like that. And I'm walking through there, and um, you know, drop my bag off to go into the gym, and I see into the hot tub area, and there's two guys in there embraced. And uh, I just went and got my bag, and I left, and I told the lady at the. It's not why we quit, by the way, but um, I just said, look, I, I can't, I can't be around this. You know, this isn't appropriate. And, and by the way, it's not a homophobic thing. You know, I, I, if it was to a young guy and a girl, I would have been equal. I can't be around that, man. I can't have that going on around me. Not at all. I got a family. I've got a reputation, and I care about it. <laughs> I got enough trouble on my own. I don't need to be around that kind of crap at all. And it's not what I want when I go to the gym if I was going to be around it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, we weren't using it. But I bring this up because the real reason is I just I don't the, the it's the germs and things like that. That's kind of what I get at about having sex in the hot tub. Like I, I you know, good, good luck to you. I'm happy for you, honestly. If you're happy, but it just can't be here. I don't know why why appropriateness has lost touch with people so much. But anyway, uh, it's just the infectious whole thing of it. As I've gotten older, I get too often end up getting a sick flu or something from going to the gym. And just weren't going. And uh, same thing with the cruises. My wife and I had some great cruises. Now, things have changed. We're older. We have a daughter. The combination of the two kind of takes it out of it, too. But I could not see myself really stepping on a cruise ship again. I really couldn't. Maybe we'll do the victory over chaos cruise. (laughs) Isn't that like the big thing to do? We'll go explore the... 
uh, we'll go up the Delaware River and explore the, the Battle of Trenton, Washington's Crossing, and we'll go visit uh, Iwo Jima. And uh, yeah, you could do it. Somebody's probably there is actually. There's a combat tour. I remember now. I might be talking about it on the radio show. Anyway, uh, this whole Trump thing. Speaking of killing your political opposition, you know, I, I don't know the reality of what's going on with this New York lawsuit thing, uh, criminal action. But you know what I'm seeing loosely from the headlines. I'm not even reading these stories honestly. I can't. I just. Like I said, my, my palate right now for politics is pretty low, and I think a lot of other people feel the same way. And I just, I don't know what the truth of it is, but what we're being told right now, basically, is that he's got a half a billion dollars of money that he's going to find, that he's going to have to post as bail, basically, so that he can pursue his appeal. Coming to you for the same people that are releasing criminals on the street, man. I don't know. You know, Trump has good lawyers. Um, I don't know. We'll see what the... I can't believe that there's not a, a sympathetic judge somewhere in New York that would help him out somehow. It's a, it's a fascinating story. They're going to financially destroy Trump. Man, you know... Uh, one of the things I was talking about on the radio yesterday, Monday rather, I keep saying yesterday, the uh, owning your own land and controlling the land. And, you know, for Trump's businesses, they do. <laughs> you know, th- this this action is running deep against many, 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 many long-held foundational uh, whatever of American justice and capitalism that you wouldn't just have your property taken like that. And uh, it's crazy. I, what I saw, I'm going to have some attorney general act as a as a receiver for this thing. They're going to come down there and take over his offices, use law enforcement. That's what happens, I think. We'll see. Like I said, uh, part of the reason I'm not talking about it too much is because I don't really know what to believe. Trump has good lawyers, and we'll see, but Look at what they've done, man. They charged the children, not all the children, some of the children. His uh, former uh, finance guy got this, you know, super harsh sentence for what they rung him up on. Crazy, crazy stuff. Destroying Trump financially. It's part of my story, my friends. You know, for six years I did the podcast. Under my under half of my name, Christopher Scott, I concealed everything. I never did any promotion. All this is about to change because I was clinging to a job, a government job, working for liberals. And I always concealed it until I started the radio show. I thought, well, this is not political. I'm going to use my name and I'm going to promote it. And I did the first show and got fired a week later. Why? Because they want to do whatever they can to do to destroy me financially. I did have rights and all that, by the way. People have asked me. Yeah, I spoke to a lawyer that night. And he said I could get your job back. And I just, for a lot of reasons, I didn't want it, man. I, I had been doing much better things. I took this job 14 years ago out of really a short, short-term need. And I fell in love with the, the service of it. 
I just was really enjoyed uh, serving the public because our government's such a mess, and I felt like I was able to do a pretty good job of it. And I was very passionate about that. But quite honestly, over the past couple of years, that passion had really waned anyway. And I was giving up a lot. I was paid well, I would say, we lived just fine. But And we have some other things going on you probably heard me talk about. But either way, um, just, I, don't, I think it's, it had run its course anyway. And so I just decided not to fight it. And I, I decided to go with projectchaos.org. And uh, we'll see, you know, what that translates into uh, long term. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, not why I brought it up. But my point is this. The liberals today, maybe conservatives are doing it, but not really seeing as much of that. But the liberals in control, not only hurting people, but working to inflict as much pain as possible, legally, financially. It's real. So many people I heard talk about it. I went through the whole shadow banning thing. But then when this happened, I just thought, man, <laughs> they really meant it. You know, it's going to be you at some point. Don't you worry. And boom, there it comes. And and that's the reason more than ever, I think, that veterans need to be heard. Our voice needs to be heard. The message needs to get out. I sure hope you check it out, please. Project Chaos is the podcast. It's on all the podcast players. Or go to projectchaos.org and you can listen right there. Either way, those listens would help me a lot, especially over the next two months. I hope you can give it a try. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.